Chapter 12 of The Restoration of the Gospel by Osborne J. P. Widso. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Wayne Cook. The Spiritual Gifts. Less than a month after the organization of the Church in 1830, there happened at Colesville, New York, one of the most remarkable manifestations in the history of the modern world. Joseph Smith had gone to Colesville to visit at the home of Joseph Knight. The Knights were Universalists. They were interested, however, in the message of the young prophet. One of them, particularly, a son named Newell Knight, seemed to be much affected by the prophet's teaching, says the prophet in his simple narrative. Quote, he and I had many serious conversations on the important subject of man's eternal salvation. We got into the habit of praying much at our meetings, and Newell had said that he would try and take up his cross and pray vocally during meeting. But when we again met together, he rather excused himself. I tried to prevail upon him. He replied that he would wait until he could get into the woods by himself, and there he would pray. Accordingly, he deferred praying until the next morning when he retired into the woods, where, according to his own account afterwards, he made several attempts to pray, but could scarcely do so, feeling that he had not done his duty in refusing to pray in the presence of others. He began to feel uneasy and continued to feel worse both in mind and body until, upon reaching his own house, his appearance was such as to alarm his wife very much. He requested her to go and bring me to him. I went and found him suffering very much in his mind, and his body acted upon in a very strange manner. His visage and limbs distorted and twisted in every shape and appearance possible to imagine. And finally he was caught up off the floor of the apartment, and tossed about most fearfully. His situation was soon made known to his neighbors and relatives, and in a short time as many as eight or nine grown persons had got together to witness the scene. After he had thus suffered for a time, I succeeded in getting hold of him by the hand, when almost immediately he spoke to me, and with great earnestness requested me to cast the devil out of him, saying that he knew he was in him, and that he also knew I could cast him out. I replied, If you know that I can, it shall be done." and then almost unconsciously i rebuked the devil and commanded him in the name of jesus christ to depart from him when immediately newell spoke out and said that he saw the devil leave him and vanish from his sight this was the first miracle which was done in the church or by any member of it and it was done not by man nor by the power of man but it was done by god and by the power of godliness Therefore, let the honor and the praise and the dominion and the glory be ascribed to the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, for ever and ever. Amen. Concerning the truth of this ungarnished account, there can be no doubt. It has appeared in print for many years and has never been called in question. Moreover, the miracle was witnessed by several adult persons and was strongly attested by Newell Knight himself. Without question, then, with the very beginning of the church, the gifts of healing, so common with Jesus and his disciples, were restored to those holding the holy priesthood. Not more than a year and a half after the performance of this remarkable miracle, there was performed another, which the prophet passed over in his narrative with scarcely a notice. He says, quote, 
About this time, September 12, 1831, Ezra Booth came out as an apostate. He came into the church upon seeing a person healed of an infirmity of many years standing, end quote. That is all. Fortunately, however, there is preserved for us an account of this case of healing, and it is the more valuable because it is written by a Campbellite historian who did not accept the message of the prophet Joseph Smith. The historian says, quote, Ezra Booth of Manitowoc, a Methodist preacher of much more than ordinary culture and with strong and natural abilities, in company with his wife, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, and some other citizens of this place, Hiram, Ohio, visited Smith at his home in Kirtland in 1831. Mrs. Johnson had been afflicted for some time with a lame arm and was not at the time of the visit able to lift her hand to her head. The party visited Smith partly out of curiosity and partly to see for themselves what there might be in the new doctrine. During the interview, the conversation turned on the subject of supernatural gifts such as was conferred in the days of the apostles. Someone said, here is Mrs. Johnson with a lame arm. Has God given any power to men now on earth to cure her? A few minutes later, when the conversation had turned in another direction, Smith rose and, walking across the room, taking Mrs. Johnson by the hand, said in the most solemn and impressive manner, Woman, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command thee to be whole, and immediately left the room. The company were awestricken at the infinite presumption of the man and the calm assurance with which he spoke, the sudden mental and moral shock, I know not how better to explain the well-attested fact, electrified the rheumatic arm. Mrs. Johnson at once lifted it up with ease, and on her return home the next day she was able to do her washing without difficulty or pain. End quote. We can easily believe that the company was amazed at the manifestation of such power, it was not the will of God, however, that the great prophet alone should possess the gift to heal the sick. On the contrary, it was bestowed through faith upon many others. From the first, the elders had practiced the order of anointing the sick and praying for them. But in 1832, a little more than two years after the organization of the church, the Lord gave a revelation in which he declared to the elders that certain signs should follow the operation of faith. The words of the Lord are these, quote, as I said unto mine apostles, I say unto you again, that every soul who believeth on your words and is baptized by water for the remission of sins shall receive the Holy Ghost, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall do many wonderful works. In my name they shall cast out devils. In my name they shall heal the sick. In my name they shall open the eyes of the blind and unstop the ears of the deaf and the tongue of the dumb shall speak. And if any man shall administer poison unto them, it shall not hurt them, and the poison of a serpent shall not have power to hurt them. Thus wonderfully did the Lord repeat the promise made to the apostles of old. See Mark 16, 16-18. And the promise has been fulfilled in an equally wonderful manner. The number of miraculous healings since 1832 is far too large to bear detailing here. But from that day to the present, there have been wonderful healings wherever the church has been established, and hundreds of thousands testify that the gift of healing is indeed operative among the Latter-day Saints. 
The gift of healing is not the only divine gift, however, that has been restored in the latter days. Quote, About the 8th of November, writes Joseph Smith, I received a visit from elders Joseph Young, Brigham Young, and Heber C. Kimball of Menden, Monroe County, New York. They spent four or five days in Kirtland, during which we had many interesting moments. At one of our interviews, Brother Brigham Young and John P. Green spoke in tongues, which was the first time I had heard this gift among the brethren. Others also spoke, and I received the gift myself. So briefly does the prophet mention the reappearance of the strange gift of tongues. Fortunately, however, we have again another and fuller account. Writing of the same incident, President Brigham Young says, quote, A few weeks after my baptism, I was at Brother Kimball's house one morning, and while family prayer was being offered up, Brother Adolphus Gifford commenced speaking in tongues. Soon the Spirit came on me, and I spoke in tongues, and we thought only of the day of Pentecost, when the apostles were clothed upon with cloven tongues of fire. In September 1832, Brother Heber C. Kimball took his horse and wagon, Brother Joseph Young and myself accompanying him, and started for Kirtland to see the Prophet Joseph. We visited many friends on the way and some branches of the church. We exhorted them and prayed with them, and I spoke in tongues. Some pronounced it genuine and from the Lord, and others pronounced it from the devil. We proceeded to Kirtland and stopped at John P. Green's, who had just arrived there with his family. We rested a few minutes, took some refreshments, and started to see the prophet. In the evening a few of the brethren came in, and we conversed together upon the things of the kingdom. He called upon me to pray. In my prayer I spoke in tongues. As soon as we arose from our knees, the brethren flocked around him and asked his opinion concerning the gift of tongues that was upon me. He told them that it was the pure Adamic language. Some said to him they expected he would condemn the gift from Brother Brigham had, but he said, No, it is of God. Since the incident here related, many hundreds of the saints of God have been blessed with this divine gift. Some are given to speak in tongues, and others to interpret. The miracle comes to those who have faith, to strengthen their faith. Again, however, the number of these miraculous manifestations is far too large to be considered here. Hundreds of thousands bear witness to the restoration of this marvelous gift, and it is the fact of restoration about which we are most concerned. Beside the gift of performing miracles and of healing, and the gift of speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues, there are yet other divine gifts restored in this dispensation. To Joseph Smith was given very early the gift of prophecy, in the Book of Doctrine and Covenants may be found many remarkable predictions made by him. All these predictions have been literally fulfilled, in so far as the time has come for their fulfillment. And the fulfillment happened in many cases long after the martyrdom of the great prophet. Not only Joseph Smith, however, but many others in the church have been blessed with the same gift of prophecy. All the presidents of the church have displayed the divine gift. Many men in exalted position, and many men of low degree, have likewise manifested the prophetic inspiration of the Holy Ghost. The gift of prophecy is common among the restored gifts of the Church. So also is the gift of discernment, and the gift of wisdom, and the gift of knowledge, and the gift of faith. Indeed, through the ministry of the Prophet Joseph Smith have been restored to man all the spiritual gifts known to the saints of old. To the great modern Church of Christ, have been given the things enumerated by the Apostle Paul.
Quote, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant, wrote Paul to the Corinthians. Ye know that ye were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are diversities of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another the gift of healing, by the same Spirit and to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. End quote. 1 Corinthians 12, 1-11 End of chapter 12